Hi, it's David Shirley here from Irish Funds. So our next podcast episode is again taken from the annual Global Funds Conference that we held in October. It was the concluding session on day one of the event and is entitled Leveraging Technology for Distribution Success. So the moderator is Carmel Jordan, who is European Chief Operating Officer, Delegated Solutions with Mercer Investments. And the panelists contributing are Peter Hunt from Fidelity, Kevin O'Neill from Fenergo, Henning Schwabi from Callistone, and Matt Adams from BNP Paribas. I hope you enjoy this episode and check back soon for more content. So welcome everyone. Uh, I think it's been a really great day so far. Uh, I think the technology has worked really well, which is particularly good when you're hosting a session entitled Leveraging Technology for Success. So hopefully it continues to work for the next half hour. Um, I know we're at the end of a long day, uh, but I hope you do stick with us for what promises to be a really interesting session. Uh, we have a great panel in place. So I'm going to ask the panel to introduce themselves. Uh, Peter, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, good afternoon or good evening, everybody. I'm Peter Hunt. I'm head of distribution for the institutional business UK and Ireland at Fidelity International. Uh, I usually spend five or six um, journeys a year coming over to Dublin, so I'm missing those trips very much, and I can't wait to get back and taste the Guinness once again. Um, Kevin? Thank you, Carmel. Uh, great to be here this evening. Uh, I'm based out of Dublin. My name is Kevin O'Neill, and I lead the asset management and asset servicing segment for Fenergo globally. And Henning. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Henning Swaby, I'm Callistone's head of Continental Europe. Um, I've been with Callistone for three years, really looking to work with our clients and partners uh, to, I guess, bring further digitization to the European funds distribution landscape. Uh, before that, I was 11 years with RBC across multiple continents uh, and a little bit of time with Euroclear before that. And finally, Matt. Yeah, hi, good evening, everyone. Um, thank, firstly, thank you for having me um, session. Uh, Matt Adams, I head up the asset manager client line, uh, UK MIA for BNP Paribas Security Services. Um, in my role, I focus on strategy, product development and P&L for our core middle and back office um, products. So that includes fund administration, and distribution services. Thank you. So I think we have a great uh, blend of uh, skills and experience across asset management, uh, administrator and uh, service providers. So I think we're going to have a, a, an interesting uh, discussion. So Kevin, I'm going to turn to you first. Um, I mean, it's been mentioned more than once today that we find ourselves in the most extraordinary of times. And I suppose it seems to me, as I think my colleague Nala Sullivan said earlier, the global pandemic has accelerated our adoption of lots of things, including new ways of working and also probably leveraging technology. So, so maybe the question I put to you is, you know, has the current pandemic accelerated your business planning and execution around digital transformation? And what are kind of the key areas of focus that you're seeing within your own company and indeed within the market? Thanks, uh, Carmel. And what a unique time we're in. And I think the CEO of Microsoft, uh, Satya Nadella, summed it up quite nicely when he said that we've had over two years of, of digital transformation over the last uh, couple of months. It's really been a phenomenal 
uh, transformation that we have seen within the industry. And with the wrecking ball that is the current pandemic, you know, there was a huge shift to remote and digital over that period of time. And we see it in our own personal lives. There was a scramble for Netflix subscriptions. People moved online with doing their shopping on Amazon. People were buying new iPhones. The whole uh, subscriber base for Microsoft Teams and Zoom went through the roof from a usage perspective. We would see around three to four key trends emerging amongst the asset management and asset servicing uh, industry as it relates to client lifecycle management software in particular, Carmel. And one of those has been a move to digitizing all of the customer journeys, whether you be a retail investor, an institutional investor, or a distributor or a counterparty, taking the paper out of those customer on journeys and digitizing those workflows or, or, or journeys. The other component of that we've seen is people are trying to move and automate all of the associated uh, regulations, whether they be AML, KYC regulations, data protection, investor privacy uh, regulations, trying to automate and get rid of all of the paper, swivel chair and uh, manual inputs that are required as part of automating those uh, services. The most important piece and the fastest moving piece that we've seen around um, around digital transformation has been around the customer experience and how can we make that customer experience more seamless, more digital, speed up the onboarding process and give the customer a digital experience that they might experience in their daily lives. And there are things like uh, integration with uh, investor portals, integration with CRM solutions, anything to speed up that onboarding uh, journey and make the distribution value chain that little bit easier for their underlying customers. Looking towards the future, Carmel, you know, we're starting to see an emerging trend again around discussions around utilities across the globe. We were part of a, um, one of the first industry utilities in the Middle East um, mm -hmm. where you know, we brought a number of banks and the regulators and uh, asset managers together to form an AML and KYC industry utility that allows the seamless sharing of data and documents amongst the various stakeholders, obviously subject to all of the data privacy provisions and all of the associated regulatory approvals. But there are some of the high level things that we're seeing uh, from a transformation perspective, Carmel. Thanks, Kevin. It's great. And it is. It's, you know, I think maybe what the driver of some of that activity before was efficiency. I mean, it's, we're, I'm seeing the same, same thing. It's very much, you know, about the client experience and improving the client experience. Henning, are you seeing similar trends in, in, your, um, in your space? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's quite interesting um, you know, that you started with Kevin and then went on to me because, you know, to some extent, Fenogo and Calistone are on, on two, two opposite ends of the, of the customer journey in the sense that uh, Kevin and Fenogo will help to, I guess, facilitate the onboarding of the client. And then we're then really, off, really involved on the BAU basis as far as the, the transactional processing and the, the ongoing investor experience. Uh, but absolutely, we've seen exactly the same thing. Um, we, um, you know, by, by way of a couple of anecdotes, for example, um, we, I guess, midway into the into the lockdown process, we had um, a, a number of uh, quite interesting discussions with with organisations that realised that they just couldn't cope with factors anymore. So, for example, um, a number of security services providers have his, historically been offshoring their business to lower cost centres in you know uh, in the Far East um, or in in South Asia. And in some of those places, you know, when a lockdown hits 
and someone has to go home, well, maybe that person hasn't got wi Wi-Fi from home that they can work from. Maybe they haven't got the space to be able to continue to, to process that nav or to process that transaction. And so we've had a, a few discussions with security services providers to then help them really to automate those processes and to get away from the facts. But, you know, likewise, I, I got a, a call from um, one of uh, Europe's largest global uh, asset managers, uh, head of distribution operations, who, who he was in a, a terrible problem in the sense that um, he was receiving orders from his underlying, I guess, corporate businesses, and he was getting faxes sent to his personal fax number that he then needed to print out and scan into the system to be able to send off to the transfer agency to be able to process. And he said, Henning, could you help me? And, you know, I mean, that was music to my ears, but, um, you know, it, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's been a series of little things. And I think that, uh, that Kevin opened up very well with, the, with what Microsoft has been saying about this, this acceleration of the distribution journey over the past six months. Um, you know, from our perspective as well, uh, just uh, wrapping up slightly, uh, is that we have seen a number of um, discussions moving from adoption of new technology to now looking to optimize. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later on also about uh, distributed ledger technology and blockchain. But for me, that's a, that's a key thing. The, the more you have adoption, the more you will have optimization. Thank you for that. And uh, Peter, I suppose the Henning and Kevin have given us some insights as to some of the emerging trends for leveraging technology for distribution success. What's driving asset managers to rethink their technology strategies for to distribution? Yeah, well, life, life in Zoomland has certainly been an education to me on a personal level, getting all to know about up sp upload speeds, download speeds, zing speeds, you name it. It's been a whole education and it's certainly at a commercial level tested businesses resilience to the extreme. And uh, I think uh, it's probably driven the distribution guys much closer to the tech teams than ever before what would have taken maybe five years has happened in the space of a few months so I definitely recognize all of that but um, I think it's fair to say there were some long-term structural trends that were playing out anyway regardless of this so there was a drive towards technology driven by the fact we're seeing more complexity in terms of what clients are seeking from their managers. We've moved a long, a long way from benchmark mandates towards more outcome-driven mandates and solutions, and that's requiring more technology. We're also seeing consolidation, so buyers, asset owners are becoming more powerful as we see pooling, as we see master trust, as we see consultant mergers. There's a whole raft of consolidation that's squeezing um, revenues and margins quite hard that we have to be more efficient in that regard then you've also got the sort of demands that come from the regulators around um, climate change and climate reporting we're seeing a push towards disclosure on um, sensitivity to asset liability models from climate change real-time data requests uh, people have more more pressure on them. So we have to become more efficient. Now, I think for the asset management industry, um, it's probably been fairly easy to take the view, well, if it ain't broke, let's not fix it. So it's been fairly incremental, small steps rather than big steps. That's obviously <laughs> changed a lot recently. And I think there is this focus on cost-effective organic growth and partnership between technology and delivery and asset management is going to be crucial going forward. So it's quite complex. It's quite long term, but we're playing catch up, I think. Thank you very much. And Matt, just to bring you in there, I mean, there seems to be an imperative for all industry participants to implement new technology strategies for their business. And, you know, the guys there have talked about the need to accelerate and optimize. Um, but 
you know, to, to Peter's point, why are we not moving faster? And, and what do you see maybe as some of the main barriers to, to de- employing technology in the distribution ecosystem in particular? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, if we take a step back, you know, at the very heart of this, we're dealing with an extremely non-homogeneous um, function and indeed marketplace. So, you know, each jurisdiction has its nuances. Um, distribution process players and costs vary significantly by location um, as well. And it's not uncommon for the, the larger global players to have distribution agreements running into the many hundreds. Um, so ultimately, the barrier at the outset becomes one related to data management and an ability to find commonality really across scale. Um, I think technology um, you know, has to a certain extent already remodeled many elements of the distribution ecosystem. Perhaps we give ourselves a, a pat on the back, but you know, certainly the, the transaction infrastructure, our friends at Calistone included. Um, so it's important to break that, you know, break down the cycle into some of its components and, and look at the degree of that change and the barriers for each. Um, so a couple to, to talk to really, if we look at the onboarding of clients, and that's been mentioned already, this is something that asset managers have looked to gain control of, um, but it's a process that still today, to a large extent, is very manual, um, it's time consuming and it's costly. And we have seen developments in leveraging DLT, which we're, we're going to speak about, I'm sure, um, to effectively decentralize the um, fund distribution ecosystem. What does that mean? Well, really, you know, investor to manager, manager to investor direct. Um, but it's a, it's a big investment. Um, it may bring less tangible commercial gains in the first instance that then perhaps improving direct sales um, or performance of the funds, of course. And, and right now, more than ever, asset managers are balancing that, that cost arbitrage with, with investment, of course. I think the jury's still out um, in, in terms of the success of DLT. Um, and that's really to do with the sort of restricted but safer nature of a closed cloud environment versus the, the open architecture of an open cloud, um, but with the cybersecurity risks that, that come with that. I think, I think another area to, to wrap up would be in terms of deploying technology to improve sales. Um, and the main barrier here to me is not actually one of technology, but one of scale and data, as I mentioned before. You know, there's a number of technology and, and SaaS providers already out there in the marketplace um, that can, can assist asset managers very well with distribution analytics, um, you know, um, PL, uh, uh, improving sales, regulatory reporting, for example, off the back of that. But the challenge is getting the data from that broad ecosystem um, that operates in, you know, differently in different markets lots of different providers in terms of transfer agents. Um, and that makes it very, very different, uh, difficult to, to, to get that data and then to benchmark outside of that service provider's um, universe. So I think real-time data to inform sales management is the golden ticket. Um, you know, we, we very much see an opportunity here and on the back of the recently finalized strategic partnership with all funds, one area that BNP Paribas will look to develop is the fund distribution analytics space. Um, and that's really given the um, scale of the All Funds platform um, and our own client base in, in Europe, um, especially. Great, thank just, you for that. Can I yeah, jump in sorry. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah of I course. I, to, I, I, think, um, I think Matt's raised some really good points and I think uh, Peter uh, referenced them as well as 
there's this concept of um, scale um, versus specialization or focus. Uh, and then there's also a question of, you know, standardization. Are we collaborating? Is there a need to collaborate or are we competing? Because, you know, as much as we are looking for those utilities, as much as the, the industry is looking to, you know, to, to, to collaborate together on certain things, we also want to get the edge because there is a digital revolution coming. We've seen what Amazon has done to other industries, you know, the Amazonification, as far as this, this concept of immediacy, um, of convenience, um, and it, it, there's no doubt that it will be coming to funds and, and, and us in our daily personal lives, you know, the, the facility that we have of being able to go and buy whatever it is that we want and it arrives the next day and, you know, this needs to come to funds. Uh, and I think that, um, I, I think that that's, the, you know, these concepts of collaboration um, versus competition will also be interesting ones as, as things progress over the coming years. Very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, you know, there, there are a lot of new technologies emerging and, and uh, over the last few years, and I know blockchain is oft talked about as well as, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and digital platforms. Um, and I know, for one, I still struggle with, with blockchain and distributed ledgers, and I loved this. One of the panelists, I can't remember which one of you it was, but we're going to go to a poll now with this question that came from the panelists. But um, the question is, is blockchain a solution waiting for a problem? Uh, so I think, uh, hopefully, uh, you can see a poll being kicked off. Um, I can't see it yet, um, but I'm hoping it's happening there. I forgot to ask the guys uh, when we'll see that. While that's happening, um, while the poll hopefully is happening in the background somewhere, um, Henning, when we're, you know, we're waiting for the results of that, you know, you talked a bit about uh, again in preparation for today about distributed ledgers, te technology, and tokenization. And you know, how close are we been? Are we really um, to being able to deploy and optimize these these technologies in the fund space? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kamal. Um, hopefully, I will influence people as they as they make their <laughs> options because I'm quite interested to see what the result is going to be. But you know, first of all, in my opinion, I think there are two main use cases for distributed ledger technology and funds. There's the custody of the underlying assets uh, in the portfolio. And then there's the distribution chain that takes place between the investor uh, and the various uh, intermediate uh, unit holders and the transfer agency. So I'm going to focus on the latter because that's really where Callison is spending most of our time. Um, but I'm sure that the other panelists could, uh, could talk about the custody side of things. So uh, first of all, coming back to the question, it, you know, for me, the short answer is no, blockchain is not a solution that's waiting for a problem. Um, Essentially, what it offers is that by overlaying existing processes onto a distributed ledger technology, you start to get some organic benefits that are generated naturally by the technology. Um, and, I, and I'm going to use, you know, as much as we're talking about technology, I, I do, in my mind, I, I think of, of these, these benefits as occurring naturally through the, through the, the process of the technology. So, for example, um, if you're an Italian investor, you're Mr. or Mrs. Fontana, and you live in Puglia, and you go and talk to your local bank, branch manager and they advise you to buy a Goldman Sachs fund um, and you agree to go ahead. So the bank branch manager will then, or the, the advisor will then send an order off to the local bank. The bank may then send an order off to a regional branch who may then send an order off to the national branch who may then send an order off to the wholesale platform who then needs to go to the paying agent or the banca correspondente who then finally sends the order up to the transfer agency. Now, what Mr. and Mrs. Fontana don't realize is that throughout all of those points on the chain, they're essentially paying for processes to take place, whether it's the manual processes of, of processing an order as it goes through, 
uh, whether it's the reconciliations process that needs to take place in between each of those those entities um, or you know whether it's the assets under custody or the assets under administration which which they're paying for now what that means is that their 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 goal as an investor is diluted in the sense that their returns are going to be diluted because they're paying for all of those costs along the way and so if you had the means to automatically zip the order from that branch all the way through to the transfer agency. And I'm not gonna go into the, you know, the technology words, but I, you know, let's just make it simple. If it were automatic, if it were, for another word, instantaneous by updating a, uh, a DLT or, a, or an online or a shared register, then all of those costs would disappear. Um, another example might be you have a portfolio manager that's running a portfolio that's really um, needs to, I guess, sail quite close to the wind as far as um, the liquidity exposure is concerned. They need to know on a real-time basis how much money is coming into the fund so that they can invest or how much money they need to divest so that they can pay the investor. Once again, if all of that was provided to the, to the portfolio manager in real time, together with the custodian's treasury department and together with the investor, then everyone would be winning. Now, coming back to the question, then what I think that that question fails to, uh, to consider is that once you have adoption and realis realization of some of those organic benefits, you then start to have optimization as people start to go, well, hang on a minute, if I can do that, then I can also do this. And then you start to create new things. And, you know, so for example, um, when the internet was first created, it was created for the purpose of sending electronic mails to your colleagues, you know, and at the time, nobody had the idea that actually you'd be able to walk around with a supercomputer in your pocket that would be able to tell you if you had to leave home early so that you didn't miss an appointment because traffic was bad or you know that your fridge would be able to tell you if you had to get milk you know i'm not saying that these are good things necessarily but yeah. I, I guess what i'm saying is that there's a difference between what it, the original purpose and then how people started to use it over time um and, and so on that basis i think that once the dlt is fully embedded today's operational problems or, or the experience that we have today will become obsolete. People will start to want to engage with their investment portfolios in a different way. You know, coming back to what I was saying around Amazonification, convenience and immediacy and, and, and a better almost emotional bond to your, to your investment portfolio and, the, and the, what it is that you're trying to achieve will become possible. And I think the blockchain is gonna be leading the charge for that change. Very, very compelling. Um... I've, I've probably moved from a yes to a don't know, but let's see what the poll says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're telling me my poll is ready. Oh, there we are. Yes, sorry. Uh, so uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people saying no anyways, what I can see. So the, the yes wins along with the undecided, I think. Uh, but I think maybe Henning, you have made a compelling case there. Um, you, uh, you you talked about when email was first introduced. I'm, I'm not going to say I was old enough to remember that, but I do recall hearing a story about one of the law firms in town who said uh, that, you know, when they were figuring out how many um, email addresses they'd need, they figured that one would be sufficient for the firm. So I suppose uh, it's just how little we know about it. But maybe has anybody a, a contrarian view to Henning? I've just got a general point. Sorry, you go. go on, Peter. Go on ahead. I'm just going to say I've got a general point, and it's not necessarily about blockchain, but it's about all technology, which is do you start with the client challenge and the issue that you're solving for, or do you start with the technology? And um, we always need to remember that whatever technology we're looking at, we have a, a user case out there, a client requirement that we're solving for. And that should always remain uppermost in our mind and not try and fit the client problems into our solution that doesn't necessarily uh, exist on their part. That's all I was going to say. Can I expand on that as well then, please? And, uh, and um, 
And I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. And I think that uh, the results of the polls show that we still don't know what we don't know. For me, um, the difference between, I guess, someone creating a blockchain platform and say, hey, everyone, come in, let's do this. You know, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's the technology of trying to look for a solution. Whereas if you can overlay existing processes onto over a DLT, if you start to embed a DLT into that process, then, then you start to get those organic benefits and you start to get that change and the ability to do new things, I think, which is why some organizations in this digital revolution will, you know, will be, there will, there will be winners and losers. Coming back to what we we're saying about, co you know, competition, uh, co collaboration, as far as scale is concerned, I think there's going to be some exciting times ahead. And, you know, I, I, I hope that Calison is part of those things. I, I, I believe that we will be, but um, there's, there's, there's a few organizations out there as well. Kevin? I'm, I'm optimistic about the future in that space, Henning, but a little bit uh, cautious at the, at the same time. And while there's a lot of um, interest in, in the various solutions that are out there, what we have seen is that there's been slow adoption in that space. And while there's been a lot of transformation around the use of, of technology over the last number of years, I still feel that we're at a relatively uh, infancy stage of digital transformation within the buy side industry in particular. If you look at what's happening on the, on the sell side with some of the challenger banks that are out there at the moment, it can take you, you know, 20 to 25 clicks to open a bank account whereas the more traditional banks are still at 120, 160 clicks to open a bank account and engage that customer experience. And I think we have a journey to go on, Heming. I think it'll be important, but there's a lot of, I think, more core fundamental basics that we need to get right first as part of that value chain. Yeah. Can we move Sorry, I was going to move on maybe just to um, something that, Peter, maybe put a question to you. Matt, uh, I think raised it earlier, just around the whole area of data and analytics and, you know, how critical they are to the industry and every industry, I suppose, but, you know, particularly for us, and, you know, so that we can leverage technology. Um, so maybe talk to us a little bit about, you know, the role of yeah. big data and analytics and, and where you see that in the whole distribution, but how it's creating maybe opportunities in distribution. I think, I mean, obviously, as the non-techie techie round here, I can take one step back and say, well, what is the role of technology? Technology in relation to data and just reminding everybody that you know you have these three stages you've got to collect it so assimilate the data then you've got to understand what it is so you do the analysis and then use it so delivering the client experience and they're the three stages and they don't really change regardless but the client experience is the piece that we all see and the opportunities that come out of that and I think today probably the experience to date has been relatively modest around personalization or tracking um, user experiences in relation to the web and seeing what people are looking at that's of interest so that you can have a more engaging initial conversation with a client. I'd like to think that going forward, uh, we will be a bit more ambitious. And indeed, to Henning's point, I suspect that we've got no choice in this because the big tech guys are waiting in the wings. So if we don't step up to it, they're going to be... Um, coming to the party and they will be coming to the party anyway they'll just pick out the parts of the value chain that they want to play on so um i think that points to i mean you can talk about things like robo advice i think that's been a sideshow it hasn't really taken off but the whole area around social media and then moving into what the big tech guys are going to do where you really try and look at 
user behavior, people's profiles, their um, activities, their friendship groups, their overall interests, that sort of can shape the buyer experience. And I really think that's where asset managers will need to step up because obviously the, um, the likes of Amazon have got all that information already. So we all better get on it in terms of the data collection piece because otherwise they're going to be eating our lunch. So I think that that's the kind of direction of travel, broadly speaking, from a user experience point of view. Thanks, Peter. And Matt, you talked about that earlier as well. You know, what's your views on, you know, leveraging a data vendor or a platform to, to help with those uh, distribution analytics or the client profiling? How do you see that playing out in the future? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting, really interesting points. I mean, it's coming. Um, and I think uh, everything we've spoke about will, will mean that that's coming. There, there's, there's, there's an opportunity out there in the marketplace, but we can't really shy away from, you know, what what is the strength of a platform in the mar- in in the market? Well, it's a marketplace and it brings investors on. So whether or not you've got this great technology, um, the ability to to leverage those relationships in different markets and reach your investors doesn't necessarily go away because it's a brand and it's marketing and and reach and, and scale thing. Um, but I see I see a few things in in the short term. So if you're a manufacturer that's lucky enough to have a strong D 2 C platform already then you're going to be building um, perhaps a proprietary uh, tool um, to, to better analyze and manage that real-time distribution analytics or your, your link to a, a sort of SaaS provider. Um, there's still the challenge of benchmarking in, in that regard. And I think that the real benefit of uh, real-time distribution analytics is the ability to, to, to benchmark, i.e. what's selling well, where and why, and, and why are my competitors doing better than me if, I, if they have a sub-optimum product than me? You know, that, again, brings out the relationship angle. And it may, if we have those metrics, push us towards some of the technologies that have been mentioned already um, on, the, on the panel. Um, there's providers out there already offering distribution analytics services pretty well. Um, but they're, again, they're, they're limited because they've got to get hold of this data. How, how quick can they get hold of it from different TAs and how real time is it? And the benchmark issue again. I yeah. think in the medium to longer term, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in, um, in the DLT, but I think it's a, a, a longer um, sort of view, um, to be honest, i.e. it is distribution in the area that we'll see the biggest gain in the short to medium term for DLT? No, I don't think so. And, and a lot of my view on that is around the tokenization point, um, the, the need to, to be secure with, with cash and bank accounts and these kind of things. And I think that's a long way off. Okay, thanks for that. I mean, a couple of questions from the audience. I'm going to go to them now. Um, so I will throw the question out and you can see which one of you would like to answer it. But the first one is, is digitization going to lead to a disintermediated landscape with asset managers and able to have D2C where frictionless experience is being the true value differentiator for investors? That's a long question. But uh, I think, it's, you know, is digitization going to lead to a disintermediated landscape um, and enable D2C? I, I, I'm just going to, there's a natural fit for my, my story now about the, about the Italian investors, yeah. but I'd be really interested to hear Peter's view as well, actually, because, um, because the asset managers are the ones that are refocusing on, on D2C. Now, um, I, I think disintermediation is coming. I think if you look at the 
the global funds distribution landscape, especially the European one, there are a lot of organizations out there who have been making money off the back of a lack of expert knowledge or laziness or a lack of expertise or, or, or choice, if you see what I mean. And, and I suspect that um, there, there are a number of intermediaries who are in those various chains who have been there because that's how it's always been done. But I, I think that once you then have the means, once you have the technology, once you have the, the, the ability to get closer to another client, then people are going to have to compete on value. They're going to have to be, compete on value and they're going to have to compete on service. And it's those organizations that are going to be able to provide you know, the service to their client. So their client's client, if you like, they're the ones who are going to be winning. And then if you're providing a value to your client's client, well, do they then need to talk to that service provider anymore? So I think this intermediation is coming. But it's funny that you asked for Peter's view because the other question from the audience, um, Peter, is do asset managers really want that disintermediation? Well, whether they want it or not, it's probably part and parcel of the mix. It's like so many things. Do we really want the big tech guys in our space? Probably not, but it's part and parcel of the world that we're living in. So I think we need to step up to that. I think we all have to look at the value chain that we deliver to clients and recognize that it's not necessarily uh, in the world we're in a package solution that we're delivering anymore. We have to break, be prepared to break it down and look at what clients are willing to pay for the different parts upon it. So there will be clients that obviously come to us and are not necessarily looking for that type of service. And there'll be others that are. So our role is to be a broad based provider as a leading manager. And I hope that we have a, a role to play in whichever way clients want to deal with us. Uh, come up. My last question, I think, to, to, and I'll put it to each of you, but uh, we just have a couple of minutes so maybe just make it uh, brief enough. But. Uh, in preparation for today, I, I read an article where one of the top four professional firms said that the asset management industry has a once-in-a-generation opportunity to reimagine and modernise its distribution model to address the current market and operational challenges for you know both futures of today and the future. Sorry, future to, investors of today and for the future. Um, I, I think from what you've been saying, you're you're more or less in agreement. But maybe what needs to be in place for that transformation to take place? Um, I'll start, Carmel, and I think Peter summed it up quite nicely. We're still a people business, and you can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't have the right people uh, in the business or on the team and have the right processes to back that up, then the, the technology doesn't become uh, value value for money or value for the end customers. For me, it starts and finishes with the customers understanding their pain points, understanding their challenges, giving them value uh, for money, and wrapping a proper digital strategy around that. And for me, that for the digital strategy to work, you have to have two, two key pillars for that. One is proper culture within the organization, starting from the leadership at the top of the organization right the way through across all functions. And two, for me, is around everybody's a digital actor within the business, whether you're a relationship manager, somebody working in compliance, or a portfolio manager. There is a smarter, faster, cheaper way to perform these services in a more automated function. And for me, it's uh, taking that responsibility on an individual level and at a leadership level to transform their businesses are critical. And I think, that, you know, to be candid right now, there are those managers that can disintermediate and those that, that, that can't. And, you know, they sell different products um, and have different TERs on their funds that enables them to do something quite cheaply, reasonably, others that, that can't. So I think we're going to need to see a bit of a, uh, a you know, seed change in, in that respect. 
And I think at the start, I made the point that uh, we're closer to the techie guys than we ever have been. But all I would say is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we still need some people with soft <laughs> skills. It's good to have all these clever techies and all those skills. But there's still a role for somebody like me who can pass the smell test when it comes to what clients are trying to do. So Absolutely. you need the soft skills and the techies and then you're in harmony. Very true. And Henning, before I go into complete darkness here, I'll leave the very last word with you. And I think we're out of time then. Um, I agree with everything that everyone on the panel has just said. I think, uh, you know, spot on. Um, and I absolutely agree with what, um, you know, with this question around is technology a problem looking for a solution? Yes, it can be, but not necessarily. Um, I think a digital revolution is coming. I'm going to be a bit controversial. Um, we remember the industrial revolution, well now it's the digital revolution. And so yes, now it's more than an, a once in a generation opportunity, it's a once a generational need to make sure that you, you can be competitive. Well, I want to thank all my panellists today. I think it was an excellent discussion. I certainly enjoyed it and I feel quite optimistic. Uh, so on that note, I'll hand back to Alga.